I'm Mandy. And I'm Jessica. And this is The Coop. You're listening to The Coop Homeschool Podcast. This is your podcast for community, humility, and joyful fun in homeschooling. This is episode 72, Kindergarten. It's kindergarten day today. <gasps> my favorite. I know, it's so fun. I keep saying when my kids get older, if, if I ever go back into the classroom, I'm going to teach kindergarten. It's Oh my gosh, those five it's and so six-year-olds are just so... Much fun. They it's are my so favorite fun. age to teach. Yeah. So cute. Okay. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to talk about what kindergarten is, the history of kindergarten, do we need kindergarten, and what you can do for homeschooling kindergarten. Perfect. It's such a, a milestone of a grade if you yeah. want to do grade levels and things like that. Yeah. And it's when people test out homeschooling. Right. Yeah. It's really... I mean, that's what I did. I was like, I'll just test out... A formal year of educating my child. Right. And see how it goes. And yeah. and if it works, great. I'll keep going. Same. It was a very inspiring year. Yeah. But first, let's do our scoop on the coop. Jesse. Okay. Well, I have a up-and-coming kindergartner in a year and a half. Aww. <laughs> um, and it's been really neat um, since the new year, diving into new unit studies with Sophia and finding ways to encourage and incorporate August. And he's actually enjoying it. He's Mm. loving our oceans unit. Yeah. He crawls into my lap. He remembers things he learned about it. And of course, we follow up each lesson with a Wild Kratz episode that's pertinent. Yeah. And he remembers it. And it's just really sweet to have him finally old enough to be a part of your one room actual lesson instead of just there. Mm -hmm. You know, he's just there in and out. Yeah. He sits there the whole time. I don't make him. Um, or ask him to, but I have relevant things that he can be doing. He's got his um, ocean sticker book and activities and coloring pages. And so usually he'll find something to do or he'll just crawl on my lap and look at pictures. And his favorite is looking up pictures of the weird looking sea creatures. Oh, fun. Because there was one. Yeah, Sophia's not very squeamish or doesn't think many creatures are ugly. She loves the ugly ducklings of the world. But there was the blobfish, and she was like, oh, that's disgusting. So August was like, Mom, we need to find more and make Sophia disgusted. Oh, how fun. And so that was really fun for me to just watch him be so engaged. Yeah. yeah. That's when you look up a video about the blobfish. Yeah. Oh, I can't watch one. Gross. It's so gross. <sighs> that's like when my kids point out the the guts that are hanging outside the rat that my cat just yeah, killed. No I'm like, I don't want to know. No, no thanks. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad good. you like that. Yeah, I can. I know what's there. Yeah. Well, my scoop is uh, our coop group went to France. Yes, we did. And what was cool about this one, the mom who led this um, uh, got her degree in architecture, mm-hmm. and she took us through an art museum in Balboa Park mm-hmm. and taught us, including us moms, how to look at art what to notice about the art, how to figure out the backstory and understand why the artist made the decisions he or she made in the, in their painting. Yeah. So it was really cool. We did like four examples and then the kids paired up and they went around and, and had to do all the little exercises. She had like six or seven steps for them to follow Super cool. to do on their own. So it was really cool. And then they sketched, uh, 
uh, something in Balboa Park. The Arboretum. Yeah, the Arboretum. In front of the pond. Yeah, that was really cool, too, just to see everyone's interpretations of it. The kids under five or six, they pretty much focused on the people. Yeah. And so they added people into their photo, Shoot. into their picture that weren't actually in front of the arboretum, mm-hmm. you know, because all of us moms were hanging back, but their little kids drew mom in there. And, yeah. you know, so it's just really neat to see the interpretations of each of the different age groups in well, our totally. Like, so I was expecting, I would just draw the archways of the arboretum, right? right. With this little <clears throat> reflection pool or something right in front of it. But my son, he did only the pool and that was right. the whole thing with the lily pads and the fish and and the plants and I was like oh it didn't even occur to me to right. spend so much time on that so yeah. yeah like you were saying it's just fun to see their different perspectives yeah. and some of the moms did it too so yeah. it's fun to see one of our six-year-olds the arboretum the shape of it must have struck her as looking like a church oh yeah because she started with the shape of it and then she ended up adding a cross onto it mm-hmm. and then added her friends who go to her church into the picture. It was really Cute. fascinating to just get a glimpse of it and let her tell me. Yeah. Was she the one who said it looked like a cake? I don't think so. One of them said yeah. it looked like a cake. Yeah. And so she drew it looking mm. like, to me, it looked like a church steeple. Oh, fun. But that's why I was thinking it was yeah. the same person. No, I but, don't think so. but she said, oh, it looks like a cake. Yeah. No, it's so it's like, funny. oh, that's so, so I great. Love that. Yeah. So it was a really great Coop Group event. And we had, I don't know, like nine families show up. Mm-hmm. So it was really fun. Yes. All right. So let's talk about kindergarten. Okay. Um, first, let me mention our preschool podcast episode number four. This is really like just an extension of that because right. if you listen to our preschool podcast episode, it's we're almost saying the same thing all over again. Totally. Just like a little more developmentally. Right. And that's our most popular episode. So mm-hmm. we give a lot of great tools, tips, and resources mm-hmm. and People are going to that one and hopefully finding helpful stuff. Yeah, I mean, and you can use a lot of what you use in preschool in kindergarten. So check right. out that episode. And then also maybe episode six, first day of school. Mm-hmm. If, if this is the first time you're homeschooling, you definitely will want to check out uh, how to set up your first day of school if you're really into that. Yes. Okay, so first, let's talk about what is kindergarten. Yeah, So I, I used to spell kindergarten with a D for garden. <laughs> I even did that on my kids' first kindergarten, like kindergarten, when they held up their sign, oh, I spelled and, it with a yeah. D. <laughs> mm-hmm. Into and I history, took German yes. in high school and three years in college. And it still didn't occur to And I to still you. didn't get yeah. that it was kindergarten, because kinder is child, and garten is garden, so it's like a garden of children. Oh, got it. Yeah, so in Britain... So also, you're just naturally translating it, that's all. I guess so. So it's a, a the definition, the Google definition would call it a school or class that prepares children for first grade. A child in kindergarten is typically typically five or six years old. And oh, I, I think don't like now, that definition. That's just so... Blah. Yeah. And then they said in Britain and Australia, it's an establishment where children below the age of compulsory education play and learn. And mm-hmm. what, um, uh, what I think is important is it's where they play and learn. Sure. Yeah. I believe in Britain and Australia, they're in separate, that's why they call it an establishment. They're not at the actual primary oh, okay. school. The kindergartens are Yeah. Separate. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Almost like how a preschool would be mm-hmm. a separate one. Yeah. So, um, we were talking today about compulsory mm-hmm. kindergarten and right now, at least in our state, it's not, but they're proposing that it, that it right. could be. They're trying to lower the age of compulsory schooling 
to include kindergarten age. Yeah, mm -hmm. so pay attention to that because you might have to file a PSA or sign up at the charter school, whatever right. it is your your state requires. Yeah, because um, on the California Facebook pages, homeschool pages, there's a ton of people always asking about the requirements for kindergarten, mm -hmm. and all of us are, you know, oh, don't worry, you yeah, don't do have what you to. Want. Yeah. Take your time. It's not compulsory until first grade. Yeah, and now it's about it's proposing a change, and so. Yeah, so which, now we can't give that advice anymore. Which goes back to our previous episode on saying there should be less school, not more. Right. Right? Right, because at least, especially as homeschoolers, but even legally, the public school, you don't have to enroll them in kindergarten. You can start your child in first grade yeah. in the institutional public schools. And you hear people doing some half days, some full days, or sure. three days a week. And, and so I always found that interesting, Why? what makes people choose the different, you know, combinations. Right. Okay. Well, let's dive into the history of kindergarten. Yes. And we'll just be brief. Um, it's a German invention, obviously kindergarten, <laughs> my best German accent. And, um, so it was brought to America by German immigrants and was held in German language schools. And Friedrich Froebel started the first kindergarten, the garden of children around 1837, 1840. And it was filled with objects for children to play with. And this is um, I'm just going to quote this from mm -hmm. an article that I'll reference on the podcast on the podcast show notes. But Froebel and his followers believed that children should be in school from a young age. At the time, it was unusual to educate young children. People had the view that children were defective <laughs> or miniature adults who needed discipline for correction. But Froebel thought children were inherently good-natured and that they should be encouraged to learn about the world around them through creative imaginative and spontaneous play. Yeah, it sounds a lot like the some of the principles of Montessori as mm -hmm. well is the idea that in order to learn about the world around you, you play it. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that. Yeah. So that's something to keep in mind of how like the original beginnings were that it wasn't sitting at a desk and mm -hmm. learning your letters. It was creative, imaginative, imaginative right. and spontaneous. Right. Play. It was learning about the world, not about school skills. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, he thought, Froebel thought kindergarten day should start with songs and then continue with play with a series of toys. So sounds a lot like preschool to me. I mean, that's... Right. To me, that's what I'm saying. It's like they just, the lines are blurred. Right. Preschool, kindergarten, Nothing you know, magical happens grade. at five. Yeah. Yeah. So um, his lessons were designed for children ages three to six who weren't ready yet for traditional schoolwork. Mm -hmm. Because these children were so young, he thought that women should be the ones to teach them. And I love this part because he argued that early education was an extension of mothering. And what do we say? Homeschooling is. Yeah. It's parenting. Yeah. But all of it. Absolutely. All of it's parenting, educating your child for what they should love and, and how, how to look at the world and how to experience the world and, mm -hmm. and helping them do that on their terms as right. well is, right. is our role as parents. That's our first piece of um, advice or encouragement that we give to people who are hesitant to consider homeschooling. They feel nervous about it. And we remind them, you've already been teaching your kid. Yeah. You have taught them everything they know up until the point yeah. that you decided to either send them to school or you've been questioning doing it. And really big things that you've right. been teaching them. Like right. ethics. I mean, what right. is right? O obeying them and listening to them. Mm -hmm. And 
And it's just, yeah, anyways. Yes. So, uh, so kindergarten has only been part of the American experience for a little over 150 years. Um, Elizabeth Palmer Peabody opened the first English language kindergarten in the United States. And I want to just throw in here for reference that compulsory school began in Massachusetts in 1857 and then was adopted by the rest of the United States um, by 1918. Um, and so there was no requirement to attend elementary school mm-hmm. at that point. And then even still, kindergarten wasn't a part of elementary school. So um, Elizabeth Peabody bringing that to America was really just offering this unique experience new to to us. Yeah, and she was drawn to the idea because it suited mm-hmm. her educational philosophy mm-hmm. and what she was already doing because at the time school was memorization and drilling sure. and um which kind of goes with the classical education model a bit um but peabody encouraged children to bring their favorite text to read aloud and taught math using manipulatives right. and uh created smelling spelling and grammar games so it seems like they used games and uh physical activities so i'm guessing play right. and um, and even philosophical questions. Right. Those are all very valuable things mm-hmm. for, for children. And you'd either do it in the home, or if you can't, then these original kindergartens were wonderful places for your kids to be able to go in the right hands to mm-hmm. be able to get that experience. Yeah. So here's our, here's the third part of what we're talking about is do we need kindergarten? So, um, so what we're trying to do in this podcast is trying to show you this episode, um, what people are expecting kindergarten to be. Right. The social expectation of kindergarten, the, the social standard. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there's, there's an underlying, uh, need to know, like, is my kid learning the right thing at the right age? Right. And so I went to Scholastic because right. they provide a lot of curriculum and, and they do their studies and stuff, right. which I have to say as a homeschool mom, we don't usually turn to because they're definitely the more institutional school type of resource. But I think what you're about to say has its merits and is important in general. Yeah. And so what we're going to share is what Scholastic and probably just the general population would say kindergarten is about. And then the last section, we're going to say what we, how we view it and what we do for it, which Mm -hmm could go with it or kind of, you know, derail off that a little bit. Sure. Okay. So Scholastic would say, um, kindergarten provides your child with an opportunity to learn and practice the essential social, emotional problem solving and study skills and that they would use in schooling. But we would say just living life. And I just, it's too hard for me to just stay with that, but just living life being with your family right. would allow your child to practice the social emotional problem solving and and then study skills you can teach studies study skills yeah i think it's very important to note that scholastic says that those skills they believe kindergarten is meant to teach them for schooling yeah you for, know for to, to prepare them for right. first grade to get them ready to conform and all of that stuff mm-hmm. which in episode 71 we discussed at length and john taylor gatto gave his you know his uh, views on schooling and mm-hmm. how it's different than education. And so if you haven't listened to that episode, I highly recommend you listen to that just to get your perspective straight here. So yeah. we don't want our kids to be set up for schooling. We want them to be set up for living their lives as a member of society in this world. However, 
their points are still yeah relevant. go with it. Yes. So one is they have three main things: the development of self esteem, mm-hmm. teaching cooperation, and sparking and directing curiosity. Which okay. we'll dive into each. So development of self esteem. So. What builds self-esteem? Like, how, what do you think? You work with little children, ages yeah. three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Well, even just from a child development perspective, I know that what builds self-esteem is is uh, confidence and relationship with parent. Mm-hmm. Kids who trust their parents and know that their parent is there for them have way higher Mm self-esteem than kids who don't know if their parents are there for them, who don't have that emotional attachment to their parent. Um, And then I see that as an educator of young children. Mm -hmm. So I teach three and four-year-olds, and I can tell the kids who know that their parent is going to be there. They're much more confident when they come into class. They're excited to talk to me. They're not always looking to see if they're failing because they're not looking at me. They yeah, don't get their they, self-esteem They don't care me, about you. At three yeah, and four. Right. But I see some of them looking out that window in the observation room, and they're looking yeah. to see if their parents saw them make a mistake. Oh. I mean, usually behavioral. You know, They don't know mm-hmm. they're making a dance mistake. Yeah. But they look to see, oh, I messed up because I did a silly thing, and they're looking to see yeah. if they're going to be in trouble or not. I and tooted then, on my friend. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that's my son. <sighs> he can't come to dance anymore. <laughs> Yeah, and what I love about that is the self-esteem isn't developed because they're away from their parent. It's because right. they have a foundational relationship with their parent that gives them their self-esteem. And, yes. and so this um, this article, kidshealth.org, mm-hmm. um, self-esteem starts when your child is a baby. It develops slowly over time, and it can just start because a child feels safe loved and accepted. So exactly what you're saying, because where does that come from? The parent, the parent and the grandparents or the siblings, you know, it comes from the family unit. (laughs) It can start when a baby gets positive attention and loving care. And then they also go on to say, as your child grows, in addition to that, they get it from learning new skills and, and trying new things. So whether they're learning to cook with you or, um, you know, finish a puzzle with you or, uh, uh, learning the piano, it, it, it can be all sorts of skills. It can be uh, art or music or um, anything like that can help your child's self-esteem grow. And to me, none of that needs to happen at a school. Sure. And I don't think it, a lot of that can happen at a school. Right. I can't imagine there's a ton of personalized encouragement. There's group encouragement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think kids who naturally might be higher in self-esteem will feel it because mm-hmm. they know what that feels like. They know what that is. But kids who are low in self-esteem, they don't recognize the encouragement if mm-hmm. it's so generalized and, you know, not directed at them specifically. Yeah. Because, okay, what did you do in kindergarten when you were in kindergarten? Do you remember? What stands out to you? Um, I remember learning to read and I remember playing. Oh, okay. Yeah. I had, I had a fun play area. Oh, yeah, they had a, had to play with my dolls. Ours in my had kitchen. A, a two a loft that Ooh. you could climb up and oh, play in. And then I had to count to a hundred. Yeah. I had to show that I could tie my shoelace. Oh. And I fell a lot getting my knees skinned, like every day almost. Oh. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, I know. But um, I didn't really need to go away. Right. To do all that, right? Oh, no. I could have counted to 100 at home. Right. I could have tied, learned to tie. Although my kids don't really know how to tie their shoelaces <laughs> yet. So. And they're way beyond um, kindergarten. But, but um, if they wanted to, they would learn it. 
Yeah. That's the other thing is yeah, our educational yeah. philosophy is that kids will learn what they want to know. Yeah, they, they're still fine having me tie their shoe and they're not embarrassed <laughs> with in front of their 11-year-old friends of me tying their, their shoe. Can't wait until we're really old and they listen to this episode someday when they're getting ready and they're like, Mom, I can't believe you said that. As if. Um, so also, I just want to like interject here, like as, as Christian parents that we are, um, we we also think that the most important to a child's self-esteem is to know she is created with purpose and mm-hmm. that there's a plan for her life. And as a child of God, she is who she is and why she is here because of how God created her and designed yes. her for her purpose here. And Absolutely. to me, like knowing you're a child of God with a plan and a purpose, what could she give you better self-esteem than that? Yep. I mean, it's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, Anywho, Scholastic also says, uh, teach cooperation. So the ability to learn, get along with others, uh, opportunity to learn patience, as well as the ability to take turns and share and listen to others, all social and emotional learning skills that the child will use through his school years and beyond. Right. Again, the like you pointed out, the focus goes back to school. It should be a life lens, and we've talked about the life lens. Like it should be... To equip them for life. Right. And and that's what a, a, a lot of that is lacking. So um, how, how what are some ways that you can work on taking turns and teamwork and stuff outside of the classroom? Do you have any ideas? Oh, man. Um, I feel like games are my absolute Definitely. go-to, especially for that age group, because they want to participate. Mm-hmm. And if you know about socialization, you know what kids want to do. If they want to be a part of something, they're going to learn to follow the rules. Yeah. And so, you know, cooperation is essentially just agreeing to the same type of rules and, you know, figuring out a way to, to do it together. That's agreeable to all parties. And so when you play a game, the rules already exist. Yeah. So it's no competition between the people in that right. sense. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then you have to just, you know, follow the steps and the procedures and you go through it. So that's a really good one. Um, I love, so my kids have their four cousins and I've loved watching them grow up together over the years and just watching them learn to cooperate. Mm -hmm. So the actual like free time, they go figure it out. Yeah, totally. You're bored and don't know what to do. Go figure it out. Yeah. And then, you know, the natural struggle between the, the more dominant personality. That's what I was going to say. So, yeah, it doesn't take 20 kids no. in a room to do that. No. It literally just takes your family and mm. maybe extended family or a couple friends at a play date to to help them navigate beyond their daily navigation, right? Sure. And to learn to share. And even um, even games that aren't cooperative games like... Mermaid Island, things like that. Even games where people win and lose. I think what's cool is we can show it's no big deal to win and it's no big deal to lose. Right. And they can learn how to lose gracefully and win gracefully right. too. It's, it's still cooperative in the sense that you're playing the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we all abide by the same rules. We're cooperating mm-hmm. to play this mm-hmm. game, you know. And amusement parks. I think mm-hmm. amusement parks are a great way to teach cooperation because mm-hmm. you have to... You do have to learn how to cooperate with the rules of the amusement park, like standing in line and like when to pull the bar down and when to let the bar up and where to put your little backpack. And, and there's a lot of cooperating in the, the, uh, the, the structure that's already there and having to figure out that you have to play along with that or museums or whatever, standing, 
standing and waiting for your ticket. You're, you have to be patient and you have right. to learn how to not bump into people and run into people. And that's all part of just being in a group setting. Yep. And you don't need a classroom to do it. No. Okay. The third one is spark and direct curiosity. So before we dive into this third, um, we had self-esteem, we have cooperation, and then we have spark and, and direct curiosity. Remember that Peter Gray says in his book, Free to Learn, we have forgotten that children are designed by nature or by God to learn through self-directed play and exploration. And so more and more, we deprive them of freedom to learn, subjecting them instead to the tedious and painfully slow learning methods devised by those who run the schools. It's classic. Yeah. So we, Just kidding. We, we don't need to spark the curiosity. They right. already have it. Right. But I like the idea of maybe helping direct it. Sure. Helping yeah. expose them and, 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 and see like where that curiosity can go and how right. far it can or go. Or giving opportunities for a spark to happen. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the Mayo Clinic has eight tips. Show them the world, like traveling, going camping, museum, mm -hmm. uh, spend time together as a family, walk, bake a cake, go to the zoo, encourage friends and family to give experiences rather than gifts. I was just thinking I need to do that one next year. The yeah, amount that's great. of stuff we got between the kids yeah, Christmas totally. and birthdays all within a month. Yeah. I'm we can't do that next year. Well, I always ask, can you just put money in our travel fund? Right. Or gift us one night stay somewhere. Right. Yeah. But it doesn't there's some really kind happen. of like registry or something, it's you just know, hard. to work towards it. Yeah, yeah, they can't open it. That's right. what's yeah. hard. I other than it. a coupon and the kid it. can't get as excited about it. I do get it. Yeah. Um wonder aloud. Say aloud, mm. I wonder why the leaves on the trees are green. And that help may, may help them start mm -hmm. looking around being like, oh, yeah, why is that? Um, encourage natural interest. If the children are interested in activity, give them opportunities to do that activity. Well, one way to do that is just free time. Right. Having a lot of free time. Uh, ask open-ended questions. Use words like who, what, when, where, why, and how. Prompt thinking. When your children have a question, ask for their thoughts first before answering. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Yeah. And then let kids be kids. Unstructured <clears throat> play is a great way to nurture and develop your children's curiosity. So again, the free, the free play. Mm -hmm. um, so those are all good suggestions. And those are all things you can do as a family right. outside the classroom. Yep. So what we're showing here is the things that Scholastic, a classroom-based curriculum publishing company, says is needed for kindergarten are all things you naturally will do as a family. And right. it's naturally part of your parenting that you've already been doing. Right. The classroom is not essential. Yeah. So here's our take on what to do for kindergarten. Um, so I have two quotes. Yes. One is from Teaching from Rest by Sarah McKenzie. The true aim of education is to order a child's affections, to teach him to love what he ought and to hate what he ought. Our greatest task, then, is to put living ideas in front of our children like a feast. We have been charged to cultivate the souls of our children, to nourish them in truth, goodness, and beauty, to raise them up in wisdom and eloquence. It is to those ends that we labor. Mm, that's good. Isn't that good? Yes. And then we have dumbing us down John Taylor Gatto. I've never heard of it. <laughs> and if you listen to our previous episode, <clears throat> episode 71, uh, this comes from that <laughs> yeah. chapter. Whatever an education is, it should make you a unique individual, not a conformist. It should furnish you with an original spirit 
with which to tackle the big challenges. It should allow you to find values, which will be your roadmap through life. It should make you spiritually rich, a person who loves whatever you are doing, wherever you are, whomever you are with. It should teach you what is important, how to live, and how to die. So I just love both of those. If you just yeah. take both of those, you could write your whole <laughs> mission statement for homeschooling <laughs> yes. from that, or just grab one of those. Um, and actually, we help you through that with our Homeschool Starter Pack, Volume 1, um, which will help get you started and walk you through that process. Um, so so in our own lives, what are some activities that we do for, for kindergarten? Oh, yeah, for kindergarten. Let's like you said, games. Yeah, we play together games. games. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a huge one. Like, my kids have learned so much math mm -hmm. and cooperative learning through that and even reading and reading, right. like... Fairyopoly and things like that. It's a huge way to just naturally and organically teach them multiple subjects. I mean, there's history-based ones. There's yeah. so many. Yeah. Um, you can pretend and explore your yard and, and do water beads and do your brain warm-up dance. Right. And, um, and that's in our movement and music one. Um, you can add novelty, um, which is episode 63. Right. So check out those two. Fun list of ways that you can make the normal routine more exciting yeah. and engaging. Yeah, and I love that. Sometimes you just need a list to work from, and then you space them out one per day right. from that list, and, and you've got this extra um, curiosity-enhancing and uh, energy-enriching experience. Right. Build an obstacle course. Let them wake up to a cool obstacle course in the house and see what it. happens. They might get to be engineers for the day and design a new one. And Yeah, yeah. so fun. Um, and then free time, like we've said over and over again, adventure together, mm -hmm. museums, camping, nature experiences, aquariums. We used to go to um, SeaWorld a lot. We had passes there and I would bring our, our, our sea life uh, encyclopedia. Mm -hmm. And then when we'd be in front of the beluga whales, I'd say, oh, mm -hmm. let's sit down. I'm going to read to you about the beluga whales. And yeah, they have a little placard there, but it's just so nice. That I could just read from my book. I'm not even looking it up on my phone. It's right. just a flip to it. It's right there. We did it with sea lions and dolphins. It's really cool, really fun way to like bond together and have this educational experience. Um, live life together, cook and bake, fold laundry, clean, run errands, talk through making grocery lists together. We just did that in the car mm -hmm. on the way to Costco. I said, yep. Ruby, write down some of the things we need. And she was like, well, we need milk for cereal and we need Cheerios. And she's making the grocery list. Yeah. So she's writing words she doesn't actually normally write. Right. She's getting practice. Yeah. And then um, she's planning out what she's going to need, like as a mom someday, sure. as a college student living on her own. Um, and then play groups, play cooperative games with play groups and share and take turns. Your family might be enough for that, but if not, bring in a couple friends for a play date or create a coop group. And then there's organized learning. So some of the organized learning I did was like read and listen to books mm -hmm. together. And yes. the, the, the listening was more of like fairy tales and mm -hmm. fables and things. Um, watch documentaries that are child friendly. Yeah, like the spelling bee one or whatever. Right. They might get really interested in spelling because they're watching this spelling bee documentary. Right. Yeah, all the documentaries in my house were animal-based. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like Planet Earth and things like For that. For sure. Yeah. Um, learn songs and play kid mm -hmm. instruments. We had a whole bag of kid instruments that yeah. I would pass around. I have two boxes, one in the homeschool room where the big piano is, and then I have one in the playroom. Mm -hmm. And those are more of the play-style yeah. plasticky ornaments, yeah. and then I have my nicer wood instruments. Yeah, and not only is that helping them like physically with coordination and stuff, right. but it's it's really tuning them into the music there that will benefit them throughout their whole right. lives. And it's just placing an emphasis on that. Yeah. On music, arts, 
you know, mm-hmm. that type of thing. Yeah, kids love to make noise. When, oh, they're, they do. when they're banging on the table, it's because they actually, it, it's the musical inside of them. And so right. to see that as, oh, they're making music, not as, that's annoying, stop making that sound. Yeah, I so, remember my husband helping me with that one because I'm like, stop the tapping. And then instead, he's over there tapping yeah, along yeah, and drumming yeah. on the table. And I'm, okay, this yeah. is fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then um, there's even curriculums mm-hmm. such as like Story of the World that you can listen to. Right. We started listening to really young. Oh, yeah. And because it's fascinating, these stories of these little kids, like right. learning to swim for their first time in the Tigris River. Right. And Jim Weiss's <laughs> entire goal with becoming an audio uh, voice narrator was to engage kids and I mean we mimic his voice here in the house all the time because (laughs) there's no one who sounds like him and at first it sounds very monotone but there he is just amazing I can't even describe it and it's not overwhelming there's so many kid like podcasts that I pre-listen to before my kids and I'm like ah the sounds are way too loud or too high or too low music they're trying to use music also and it's taking away from the the inflections mm-hmm. that are so important to hearing a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He pauses at the right parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it could be cursive. It could be Bible. Sure. It, you know, um, and then drawing mm-hmm. and crafting. Like if if the, if you are teaching your children letters at that age, have them write actual letters yeah. that they mail to their family. So Sophia loved to. And I'm using air quotes here. Write. Oh yeah. In her kindergarten age, uh-huh. but she was not yet forming her letters, but she would do like little scribbles for each one. Oh yeah. And she would write long letters, which is so funny now, if you know her, and you know her ability to write a letter or a card, she's got that skill, man. Um, but she would just do that with these little scribbles and then she's like, Oh, I just wrote a letter to grandma and she'd fold Aww. it up and we'd have to put it in an envelope and That's mail so it to her. Well, and she's learning how to grip her pencil. Exactly. And, it's all yeah. very important developmental skills. It's not the actual outcome mm-hmm. of what's happening. It's the intention and yeah. the, you know, the ongoing building. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So those are just all things, just mm. living life together that yeah. you can do. Or and then if you do have the formal instruction, you can you can just set aside a little bit of time. Okay, so again, go back, check out the preschool episode because yes. that has a lot of the resources. But we do have some other tools. We have the homeschool starter pack, volume one and two, to help you guys mm-hmm. who are new to homeschooling and this is your right. what you're trying out. Or if you feel really overwhelmed about a structure to your kindergarten, mm-hmm. um, it's really there to give you the tools to to really focus on what is important to you for Mm -hmm. your child. Yeah. And then um, we have um, some teacher development tools like planning your year and um, teaching from rest and and other books that will be on the podcast page. And then, okay, so under curriculum, we have some ideas and stuff that we've used, but also what your kindergartner needs to know. Now, normally I don't care about that, but what was nice about that book, what you're... Is and I only used it with the first one because I was unsure what I was doing. Right. What it, but it had like all the fables in there to read sure. aloud, and it had like the math concepts that they're supposed to be learning. And I didn't actually like write down these math concepts for them to learn, but it just put it in my head. Right. What to be like? Oh, when we're playing with their animal crackers, I can show them like, oh, look at there's how many are here? I see one over here and one over here. How many is that? And so yeah. just put it in my head what was 
probably developmentally appropriate for them. Exactly. And so what your kindergartner needs to know is helpful <clears throat> for that. And then um, we'll list a couple others, others there. Was there one that you really liked that you used in, in kindergarten? I don't think so. I think I had, I got some because, you know, I was feeling anxious too. You know, I wanted to make sure I was serving my child well and mm -hmm. not missing an opportunity to, to make sure she would be successful. Mm -hmm. And I had them and then I ended up not using them. Yeah. So like you, even with the, what your kindergartner needs to know, it was nice to know what those skills were that the experts of education seem to think my child should know. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I could cross-reference with child development, you know, and I could right. kind of figure out what fit for her and just let her, you know, guide her own natural learning. Um, so I don't think I actually used the curriculum for yeah. kindergarten officially. And it's kind of freeing. It is. It's, it's nice to know you have it in case you need it. Yeah. <laughs> and then to look on it and be like, oh, yeah. yeah. But then it's like freeing to be like, I know it's there if I need it. Right. And with six years between my two kids, I'm not sure I'm going to be worried about having any of it for August. Oh, yeah. I mean, now I, I feel confident that I won't need to use the Matthew C. Primer. And instead, I know what those concepts are. Mm -hmm. In fact, I still have my teacher book. But I can accomplish all of that through other things. Yeah, yeah. You know? Maisie started with Alpha. Exactly. Yeah, it's... It's just a natural way of life. But with your first one, right. the you first don't know. time you're doing kindergarten, it just helps. It does. Um, okay. And then uh, fairy tales and fab fables told yes. by Jim Weiss. <laughs> like you, you can get the CDs. They're, they might be on audio as well. But um, And then we loved the Illustrated Children's Bible. Oh, yeah. Because I love that like every page or two is another story. Mm -hmm. And so we would just do one story at the table and it, it was good enough, you know. Um so we have a list of games we can, um, we'll put on the show notes, but some of them are Mermaid Island, Hoot Owl right. Hoot, the fairy game. Yeah. Well, I think, so I ended up kind of taking some of the uh -huh. games you listed and putting them into categories I love it. because I think that I didn't know there were cooperative games. Oh yeah. I was exactly. gifted one yeah. and then I thought, what? These are amazing. And so, so cool. there's the cooperative games that literally teach that skill, that scholastic mm -hmm. highlights as the top three oh, totally. skill. And those are the ones I just listed. Exactly. Yeah. And then there's strategy and logic games. Um, you know, something like a sequence or rush hour. Junior. Oh yeah. Rush hour junior is fun for it adults is. too. It's I hard. It is, <laughs> but it's just fun. Mm -hmm. You know, you get to have fun and then they also are using logic and mm -hmm. I have some fun bigger kid ones that we've linked in previous, um, episodes, but, uh, card games. Mm -hmm. I think people underestimate a child's ability to navigate oh, totally. cards. Yeah. And so I remember watching my husband go through the deck of cards with Sophia for the first time thinking we're not ready for cards. But she knew she got it. Yeah. You know, it just took a little bit of time for her to get used to the names of them and yeah. that kind of thing. And then there we were playing war and I know. Jack. My kids loved war because I hate war. I, what I, I know. Well, it's just all chance, right? But what I loved about it is they were figuring out what was higher and lower. Exactly. So I loved that. And then um, I loved that there wasn't a lot of like investment in the game. So when they lost, it was like, oh, well. Let's play exactly. again. Whereas when I would play chess at, in kindergarten with my son, after an hour of playing this one game and he would lose, it was devastating right. every time. Right. Every nap time. It was like, oh no, it's going to be, and I wasn't going to let him win. So <laughs> of course not. <laughs> Can't let them win. So, so I knew every time, but it ended up being where he got better mm. than me at chess. And sure. Then, 
but he had to learn how to deal with disappointment. But it's hard at that age, especially when they've spent a whole hour on a game. Right. So you have to gauge your child and what they're ready right. for. Yeah. And then there's games that will work towards specific skills that you're trying to teach. Um, this is your favorite. I one. love What's, Rummy Cube. Yeah. My daughter was just, Ruby was just saying she's a little tired of Rummy Cube these days. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard when there's a game that you like because it, it fits you. And then there's other games that you're like, oh, please don't make me play yeah, that Yeah, don't game. make me. Yeah. Ticket to Ride is, the, although it's a phenomenal game, it's right. a big commitment. Yeah. August's favorite right now is Zingo. Bingo oh, yeah. with a zing. Uh-huh. Because it's got this little machine you yeah. use to let the little things out. But it is good I for word recognition game. and for, you know, being able to be quick and observing, you know. Yeah. So it does have skill building, but man, that one's always hard for me to say yes to. Okay. Oh, we can play and yeah, there's there's some awesome skill building games though. Yeah. yeah, and and we talk about some of those on a blog post. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, having reference books. Yeah, uh, you have a ton of reference books. I do. And what's nice is they're not always having to look up online or whatever. It's they have books right at their fingertips mm-hmm. to <clears throat> let's answer that question right here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, with a picture. Yep. And then my kids love Guinness Book of Records. They've loved <laughs> it. Like Maisie was probably like two when she started yeah. loving it because it's like. All these oddities and weird things yeah. and things that are gross I don't to look like at. It. Yeah, I don't like it. I know, that it's book. disgusting. But they are fascinated with it. Yeah, and so the older ones weird. will read it and you know, they'll read it to the younger ones. Right. I don't even know that it's always appropriate, actually. <laughs> but um, and then you know, there's just fun books for pre-reading exercises and reading yeah. exercises. Check out episode 17. We talk about reading challenges. But like right now, I'm just gonna highlight elephant and piggy books because that's what my seven-year-old finally likes reading. Right. And she'll come in my room and say, let me read this one. I have a new one that I read. read and um, all my kids have loved it. And we were just at the bookstore yeah. in Coronado. And uh, Ruby, Ruby was like, oh, there's one here I haven't read in this collection. So she's flipping to it to try and read the one in the collection she hasn't read How yet. funny. Yeah, it's just so cute. Um, but any book like that, that's simple words that makes you happy to read too yeah. with your kid, like you want to enjoy it as well. <clears throat> so anyways, but those are just some, but that's all you need. You just need some really cool things that spark joy for you and for your child and, and, and do them together. Yep. I agree. Yeah. All right. So now it's time for the Coop Q&A. Where we answer your questions. If you have a question, you can email us. Mama hens at the coop homeschool.com. Oh, what's our oh. question today, Mandy? <laughs> Your what, turn. What does a kindergarten day look like in homeschooling? Oh, that's a great question. How pertinent. Yes. What a great fit for this episode. So what helps is if you put the order on like your whiteboard, like for okay. you, like, yeah. to, like if you want a certain order. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, my child had, my oldest had been in um, speech therapy. And so I actually learned from the speech therapist. She had this little board with Velcro and then she put the mm-hmm. order of things that they're doing so they had an idea yeah. of what to expect in their day and it didn't feel like chaos to them. Right. And so um, I really liked that idea. Yeah. And so um, so I'll just give an example and every mm-hmm. day is kind of different in that you can cycle in certain things but like you wake up and if you have Pam Barnhill from Plan Your Year loves the morning basket. So right. I never called it the morning basket, but right. like I would have books out or I would have water beads ready to go. Right. Some kind of sensory bin. Yeah. Um, fun magnets or an art kit mm-hmm. um, ready to play with. And then they would just 
play with it if they wanted to and it's all free play, you can join in and then you have breakfast and then breakfast was table time for us. So that's when I could do Bible and read aloud mm -hmm. the story and discuss and that's when they're still at the table eating their Cheerios. So now we can do cursive and and then we can do our, our phonics and, and you know that kind of right. stuff at the table and that's maybe 30 minutes. Then they have free play. And then when you're feeling like bonding with your kids some more, you sing songs together on the carpet to yeah. Greg and Steve or Circle of Songs. We talked about this in the preschool one. Yeah. Um, can you hear this book? And it's like 10 minutes. Sure. And then um, you might then, since you're together and you're already on the floor, have a couple board games ready for them to choose from to yeah. play on the floor together and play some board games or practice math concepts with playing cards like we discussed and dice or chess and Maybe that whole thing with songs and game playing is an hour. And then you have lunch. And now you can do more table work if you wanted to. You can make Play-Doh or you can do color play or or uh, write a letter to grandma or whatever. Sure. Um, and then after lunch, you could say, hey, come help me start some laundry or clean some windows. Like help me live life and do chores together. And, yep. And then you have more free play. And then afternoon, they probably have like some dance, like our kids right. had dance by like three o'clock mm. or uh, some kind of lessons they would go to for one to two hours, including driving. And then they come back and they do dinner and then they have more free play. And you might read aloud some picture books or even chapter books and for 20 to 60 minutes. And, yeah. and then it's bedtime. That's it. Yeah. And, and you <laughs> see the day. It's just like bonding with your child through living life with them. Right. Teaching them things that they, they need to know for life and enjoying right. being with them. It's really about getting them to participate in the life that you're living, to mm -hmm. include them in the things that you're doing. You know, the, if you want them to learn those skills, you have to actually engage and do that. You know, and so if you hadn't already <laughs> and your child is approaching kindergarten age, those are great things, you know, and that's a great way to design a day. That's yeah. naturally the flow of what's happening and now you can just add these learning opportunities in there. Yeah. And they could always help you make lunch. They could help you make breakfast. And then maybe you want an adventure day. So you bring your topical books, just like we talked mm -hmm. about with going to SeaWorld and listen to an audio book or story of the world in the car. And mm -hmm. we always discussed our thankfuls in the car when we would go somewhere and we'd have to guess it. Like we'd oh, describe cute. it and mm -hmm. then everyone in the car would have to guess it. And then, um, or you might want a friend day and discuss helpful socializing tools before you hang out with them. Like, let's talk about sharing. How does it feel when someone shares with you? And right. is it hard for you to share with someone else? Let's talk about that. And then you're prepping them before you go somewhere. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that's just a, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a life of peace and a life of enjoyment and delighting right. in your, in your time with your child. And it's just really fun. I agree. Thanks for listening. We love your support. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, leave a rating and review to let us know how we're doing, and share our podcast with your friends who need a little community, humility, and joyful fun in homeschooling. <laughs>